Hey everybody, this is Karis Frigi, and this is a daily devotional podcast where I will read a portion of scripture, a new one every day, and then share some thoughts that I've written on it. I hope it encourages you. Good morning, everybody. Today is Sunday, April 18th, and we are going to read Acts chapter 13 together. It is quite long, so hang in there. It starts in verse 1. It says, Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Pergia and Pamphylia, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on from Perga and came to Antioch and Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, Men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people Israel chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt, and with uplifted arm he led them out of it. And for about forty years he put up with them in the wilderness, and after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. All this took about four hundred and fifty years, and after that he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king. And God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for forty years. And when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he. No, but behold, after me one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him, nor understand the utterances of the prophets which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. 
And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus. As also it is written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way. I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he says also in another Psalm, you will not let your holy ones see corruption. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should come about. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe, even if one tells it to you. As they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So I love today's reading, the the verse 46. It says, Paul and Barnabas spoke out to this crowd. They say, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, the Jews. But since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. We will hear so much of Paul's eloquent and persuasive gospel presentations in the coming chapters, but this line from today's passage pulls at my heart. He says, Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. Paul will write a particularly eloquent chapter in Romans describing in detail his great sorrow over the Jewish nation missing their Messiah's open invitation. But this first fresh take on it is sobering. How often in our obstinacy do we thrust aside what we need the most? Like a child refusing the medicine that will kill the infection that is actually threatening him We refuse often the very things that will heal our soul. 
and we choose temporary pleasure and momentary distraction over living water. We thrust aside words of truth to grasp in vain at fantasies in our own mind about what life should look like and how easy it should be. We judge ourselves unworthy of eternal life by unwittingly loving this life as if it will last longer than a brief 70 to 80 years and that not even guaranteed. But if we could see with heaven's eyes what we reject when we refuse to come to Jesus, we would say to our own souls like Paul and Barnabas said to this gathering crowd, you have thrust aside life itself. By living for this life, we become unworthy for the next. And Paul's final tragic words, behold, we are turning. We are no longer going to badger you with truth and attempt to pull your attention to us. We will no longer pursue you with life. How awful. We want the hound of heaven to hound us and never ever turn away. We do not want to delay so long that when our master returns, he finds us sleeping or unable to stay awake. We want oil in our lamps, expectation in our souls, ears alert to the faintest whisper of our beloved bridegroom. Matthew 24 verses 42 through 46 speak to this. Jesus says, therefore, stay awake for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Hey everybody, thanks for listening today. I think as we get into this chapter, it's important to realize that um, much of the early church, they thought that this gospel, this Jesus, was just for the Jewish nation. That's how God had worked really through all of the Old Testament, was through this specific people group, the Jews. And so as Paul and Barnabas are preaching to this crowd, and as we get further into the story, we kind of had it with Cornelius and Peter, there is a massive... um, unearthing of something so much bigger than just the Jewish nation that is really, it is taking believers even by complete surprise. And here we see Paul and Barnabas basically saying, we've really tried to give the gospel to the Jews and they just don't want to hear it. So now we are turning from them to go to the Gentiles. And of course, as we know that the church now is pretty much separate from traditional Judaism, there are obviously um, Jews that have believed that Jesus is the Messiah, but for the most part, it is completely separate from Judaism, believing in Jesus. And that would have probably shocked a lot of those very first converts um, in this context. And it also is something that grieves Paul greatly. When we get into Romans, he spends a couple chapters just going through how deeply um, sad he is. He even says at one point he would rather lose his salvation and see the Jewish people lose theirs. But as I was reading this, I was also reminded um, just of Jesus's patience with people. And in 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter's talking about how patient God is. And he says, but do not look, overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. 
The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. And I think when I read that, I'm realizing God is so patient and he is, he is extending salvation generation by generation, person by person. But there will come a time when it will be too late to repent. It will be too late to choose Jesus. And that is not a day that I want to get to. And in my own heart, as I read that chapter, I don't want to thrust aside the words of life in any part of my life. If I suspect that he is speaking If I suspect that he is moving, I want to be attentive to it because I don't want him to ever say, I'm turning away to go talk to someone who will listen. I want to be someone who listens. And I thank you, God, that he is patient towards us, right? He is so patient. He doesn't wish that any of us would miss out on him. But we have to steward the gift of this word, just like the Jewish people. Paul is basically urging them, steward this, steward the history that you have, the fact that the Messiah has come. And we have that responsibility as well. Um, So I hope that encourages you. And as we get into Acts chapter 14 tomorrow, we will kind of hone in more on really Paul's ministry from here on out and his travels and him going, basically spending the rest of his life dedicated to advancing the gospel of Jesus. Um, So I look forward to that. Have a wonderful Sunday. See you here tomorrow.